So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields. And on my left, Jane Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jane? I'm good, Rick. How are you doing? I'm much better today. Doctors. Doctors. They can be so alarmist. Of course, (laughs) I put... I put doctors can be so alarmist on my on my wall. I didn't say anything else. That was this afternoon after I got back, and and uh, Doctor Jack Ricci, one of my buddies that we need to f- try to figure out how to get on the show. Um, and I, you know, all hail the powers that be. I think he's a doctor of chiropractic and not an MD, so they'll discount his words. But he makes people well, including himself, and. Uh, uh, he immediately responded, like within five minutes. Yeah, well, if if you don't have anything to fear, they don't have anything to sell. <clears throat> Interesting point. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, see, that's that's Doctor Jack. It used to say Doctor Jack, <laughs> Doctor Jack Ricci on his profile. Now it just says Jack Ricci. Uh, I guess he wanted the doctor thing to go, but um, but he he's doing amazing things in in wellness for people, and uh, his he went on further to comment that you know one of the best doctors is somebody that can give their patient hope. Odd that in nursing and medical schools in America they teach you, don't you dare give your patient hope. Yeah, that is rather twisted, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sometimes, maybe not in every case, you know, some straight chemical thing that they can do for you. But, you know, cancer, weird things like that, hope is often the difference between chance of recovery and not. You know, the difference between despair and hope. And uh, Well, isn't that what, one of the things that the uh, successful cancer centers manage to do that normal hospitals don't? Is right. Is that they... They turn it around. It's all about positive thinking and envisioning, you know, the best possible outcome. And they they have, uh, we have this Cancer Treatment Centers of America that they take a lot of people after other hospitals are given up on them or whatever. And uh, they teach you about your diet and they provide you with spiritual support of whatever 
that means to you. Um, and if you're not spiritual, you, they send you to meditation and yoga class. And, uh, and they generally try to assign a survivor to each one of the new patients. So that a cancer survivor of your kind of cancer comes in and chit-chats with you about how cool life is on the other side of cancer. And they're having this more success than others. And wow, gee, isn't that... Don't hear about I that. I wonder why that is. Headline news. <laughs> I, you know, haven't seen You that. don't hear about it on the headline news. You do hear about it on the commercials, though. And... Um, and you hear they about are it They are becoming more and more mainstream. They are. And Definitely. that's a good thing. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Their methods work. Yeah. But your friend, um, Dr. Ricci, is right, of course, that doctors can't scare you <laughs> if you don't have anything to be scared of. Right, yeah. You know, here, we're, we're going to put this 18-inch long thing in, 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 the, in your backside and have a look around. Yeah, not not unless you're scared or you're going to let somebody do that to you, you know? <laughs> That's true. That's I thought that true. was our complaint about these alien abductions, right? Probes. No probing. That's too funny. That's yeah. true. you got to be terrified to let doctors do stuff like <laughs> We yeah. let our doctors do some really weird, random things to our bodies. Yeah. All in the name of health and healing and wellness. It's very confusing. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was fun. They they scared me a little bit, and now I'm better. And I now got, you're. Okay. I got better before I went back and found out what they were on about. But apparently, everybody, my blood sugar is running a little high. Well, okay, a lot, <laughs> but you know, they acted like I had. I, I, you know, from the way they talked on the phone, I thought they were going to meet me at the door in those spacesuit things from the contamination. <laughs> yeah, it was. We need to see you right away again tomorrow morning. We can't wait a week for you to come back, and we can't discuss it on the phone. You have to come in. <laughs> yeah, you got to come tomorrow. You can't. You know, I already had an appointment for seven days later to review these results, but no, you got to come tomorrow. And we've asked the mm-hmm. doctor, and he he says it's not something he can discuss over the phone. He really needs to see you. Oh, crying out loud. What the hell? You know. High blood sugar. It's amazing. Of course, a lot of neurologists now, i got to give him a lot of credit. A lot of neurologists wouldn't have done what he did. He, I had neurological results that just didn't make sense to him. Unless there was something going on or if I was not following my treatment protocol. And he after four and a half years, trust me to do what I say I'm doing. So he's like, it's probably nothing, but let's just run this blood panel just in case. A lot of doctors might not have done that. They'd have just said, nah, we'll, ch- we'll check it again in six months. <laughs> and he told me, you know, I want you to go see a good endocrinologist because if you just go see somebody, they're, they're, they're liable to hand you an insulin syringe and send you home, and we'll have none of that. So, no, because this is definitely something you can you can moderate with diet. Yeah, this is I I have been having sugar lately, and uh, for a good while I didn't because I was not supposed to at first, and then they, no, you don't have diabetes, you're fine, just you know, don't get extreme. Well, apparently, you know, frappuccino, <laughs> chocolate, and things are extreme for me, so. 
And, and granted, my pancreas shut down completely in December of 2007 and wasn't really supposed to come back to life, so I should be grateful and all that, and I am. Uh, but, wow, they acted like it was the end of the world. You know? Yeah, we looked at your blood test, and, you know, you got cancer, you got leukemia, boy. That's another one they got to do. they got to give you a label you don't understand so that you can be scared of that, too. And then you can go look it up, look it up on Google and see what you're, how you're supposed to feel later, you know, so you can plan on the disability that you're going to have. And yeah. Oh, but, but this show's not about medicine, but there is maybe something about spirituality and science coming together. Um, funny how we, we – Gene and I go through something in our personal lives. Well, you know yes. what? You know what's interesting? What's interesting is our guest tonight actually has been down the healing journey himself. So I'm sure he'll have something to say about this, and he, he might want to chime in on that whole element of of health, well being. Um, so why don't we give him an opportunity okay. to do that? Yeah, we've been through the patient's test. He's patiently listened to us prattle on. So. Um. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have with us the uh, author of The Ultimate Key, Mr. Robert Miller. Robert, how are you? Have I showed you my scars lately? (laughs) 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 Yes, I've been down that road. Well, listen, with this one thing, this is about my third trip down that road, and I'm getting tired. I've I've been down there. I got pictures, T-shirts. I don't want to go down there anymore. Yeah, uh, I didn't um, include that story in this book, but uh, in a future book, I will be writing about uh, more about my healing journey that was part of my path. And um, one of them includes a near-death experience on the operating table. Nice. Yeah, it was um, due to a uh, anesthesia drug that got recalled right after my experience. Um, six people died, uh, and I almost did. And then they said, "Gee, must be something wrong with this." Must be something wrong with this stuff. It keeps killing people. Well, it's the they give you. Uh, I think he said six different. Ones, you know, there's one to relax you, and one to do this, and then one to put you under, and then. One to wake you up. Well, it was the wake you up one that wasn't working. <laughs> so uh, it's like, oh, they're not waking up. Yeah, there's uh, there's actually a video that I put up on my on my wall today in in honor of the doctors, and it's a doctor uh, getting up talking about, you know, doctors are supposed to be perfect, and you go ask them, and nah, I made a few mistakes in my first five years, but you know. And the truth is they make mistakes all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I worked in hospitals and nursing homes for a couple of years in the emergency rooms and in, uh, intensive care and those kind of things, along with the doctors and nurses. And uh, I, I have to hand it to the nurses because without them, I don't know where we'd be. Yeah, they do catch a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, and they're incredible people. They're giving, loving, caring people. And... uh I tell you, they they deserve a lot of credit. Oh, uh, you just can't do a nurse's job unless you love people. I mean, they they have to be truly passionate about it's it's a vocation. It's not it's not a job. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, and I hear from so many so, of them. They wanted to be from their childhood. My my daughter's that way. Anyway, go go go, go yeah, ahead there. It's a, Our journalistically it's a trained co-host. <laughs> oh, journalistically trained co-host. Okay, that means it's time for <gasps> bum bum bum. The so, question. Question. <laughs> like how okay. I got the word ultimate in there. I just want to throw that. Yeah, nice. Nice segue. Robert. Miller. Yes. Yes. Who the hell are you and what do you do? Huh, well, that's a good question. Um, I'm a lot of things, actually. Um, I do have a, a kind of a sideline business where I actually do real-world work. <laughs> Bring some money in occasionally. Eek. Uh, yeah. Um, kind of, really, it's it's an extension of my intuitive abilities. Uh, found a long time ago that I could use my intuition to actually fix things. Started off when I was in grade school. And I would go around the streets and look for Oh, old phonographs and radios that people would throw into the trash and I'd drag them home and I would use my intuition to fix them and then I would take them back to the people and say, hey, I found this in your trash, but I made it work again. Will you want it back for a small fee? And uh found I was pretty successful with that. Nice. So uh, I, I kind of made that my my living. You know, I tell people, Find something that you really enjoy and make that how you make your living, and you've got a good life there. You know, so yeah. I, I like helping people and I like fixing things because that helps people. And I get something out of it and they get something out of it. So it's it's fair. So when uh, computers came out, well, home computers, back in the in the 70s, Naturally, I got involved in it, something that interested me, and found I had a pretty good knack for for figuring out the weird problems that people would come in. And so I just kind of stayed with it, and that's, well, kind of a, I've always fallen back on it. I've done other things. I, I, I've been a, a school teacher. That was lots of fun. Uh, teaching Technology to third graders, nine-year-olds, when they weren't hacking into my oh, system. Shit. Yeah. I tell yeah, well, you, they, when they weren't pulling off stuff more advanced than your subject matter. It, absolutely. I had to keep on my toes. <laughs> because it's like every time I turned around, they were hacking into the system. I was like, hey, how are you doing this? It's like, you're nine years old. <laughs> you know? how, how do you know how to do this? But see, that generation, they, they're growing up with it, you know? They're that, born cable ready. That's you it. You got it. I mean, when I got started in electronics, I was working with tubes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like... I've, yeah. I've been in computers most of my life, and when I went to college uh, and took a computer class, the first thing we learned was how to punch cards. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and I'm not that old, but yeah, they didn't. IBM didn't c- come out with their first PC till two years after I graduated from high school. So yeah, I, well, I missed you know, out that whole thing. And and I talk to kids today, even on the show, and they're like, "How the how the how can you get out yeah. of high school without Google?" 
<laughs> you know, I actually met um, Dr. David Mochley and his wife. Uh, he actually was the primary developer of ENIAC, the first electronic programmable computer. Um, they they were having uh, lunch with a group of guys who put on the very first personal computer show ever in 1976 in Atlantic City called PCC 76. And uh, so I got to sit right next to him, and she was truly the world's first programmer. It was they they're the ones that had the idea of using punch cards to program a computer. Because before that, they had to actually hand wire the program into the computer. It was very tedious, and it took days. And they had the idea of using the punch cards, which were used for looms before that. And uh, so she would punch the cards and run them through the card reader. So it was really fascinating you know, talking to them. I mean, the first computer, you know, the size of a room, drew enough power for a small city and generated heat that, you know, just incredible. And we have the same power now and a calculator the size of a quarter, you know. It's yeah, it's 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 amazing. I mean I remember going to head around that concept, punching cards to program a computer. Oh well and then I would take the stack of cards to the computer center and 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 I would turn them in and I would get a a little chit from them with a number on it, a little ticket with a number on it. And um then I could come back whenever I wanted, but it was generally hours. Oh, yeah. You would you would come back, and the, there was a little cubby that matched the number on your ticket, and you got your output from there, and you gave, put the ticket back in there so they could give it to somebody else. And um, so you might wait four hours. You know, you write a program, and you might wait four hours just to find out it doesn't work. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, you oops. can go back and play with it some more. And uh, yeah, it was very tedious. And you know, and this, now, this I really. Remember, uh, go ahead, Jean. Sorry, Robert. I remember a specific story, um, and I guess I'm kind of have an edge to this whole thing because you wrote a book before you wrote this book, and yeah. I, I got to read it. Um, now I remember a specific story that you told um, about a, a computer that you actually didn't even get open before you knew exactly what was wrong with it. You w- kind of walked oh, yeah. into the shop and you felt yeah. the computer. Yes. Um, uh, a gentleman called and he said that um, he was having wavy lines on his screen and he couldn't read anything. Uh, basically it was unusable. And I said, well, bring it in and, and bring it to the front desk I, I was in the back in the shop, and I said, and, and plug it in on the counter, and the, the salesman will help you so you can see what the problem is, and then I'll come out. So he came in, and he hooked up the computer, and they were saying, yeah, you know. And for some reason, I was able to feel the problem with that computer from uh, what was must have been 50 feet away, and I just knew what it was, and I said, okay. I'm coming to the front, and I'm going to put my hand on your computer, and I'm going to heal it. And they all looked at me like, what? And I walked up to the front, and I put my hand on the monitor, and there was like a snap, and the screen was perfect. And I said, no charge. And they were like, you're kidding us. You did, do, we, 
Huh? Did we just see what we thought we like, saw? Wait, wait, wait just a minute. <laughs> yeah. So I said, check back in a week, but I'm sure it'll be fine now. And a week later, the guy called and said, it's been working perfectly ever since you did that. And he says, if I hadn't witnessed it, I wouldn't have believed it in a million years. But the people I worked with, of course, they see me do that kind of thing all the time. So they said, no, you know, not always. You know, I have hot days and cold days. On a cold day, I can't fix you know, anything. It's like, just get it away from me because I'll break it if uh, you hand it to me. And I, and I have since uh, figured that out. It's kind of a an interesting twist to the story that it has to do with solar flares. <laughs> really strange thing. But when I checked back, it correlated that whenever there were solar flares and geomagnetic storms, my, my intuition goes like off the scale. And when it's quiet, I don't have much ability at all. And this has been studied by uh, people at, uh, what is the name of that place? I think it's Laurentian University. Is is that uh, ring a bell? Yes, Laurentian definitely rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, that's in Canada, right? Yes, it is. I actually almost went there. Ah, Yes, well, there are some neuroscientists there that have been studying this for decades. And I, I was looking at some of their papers. Um, see if I can remember. Um can't remember the professor's name, but... Yeah, and they were saying that uh, it's the... Our brain waves are affected by geomagnetic storms. In fact, more than that, there are actually natural electromagnetic waves around the entire planet that we're all tuned to. Um, they're called... Uh, I can't think of the name when I'm trying to think of it. Uh, but low-frequency electromagnetic waves are constantly going around our planet. They're formed by lightning strikes and it storms all over. And it creates a, uh, a low-frequency 7.5 hertz standing wave the Schumann and, resonance, resonance. Yeah, exactly. Schumann, Schumann waves. S H U M A N N. Yeah, yeah, and that they're actually caused by lightning storms. And the correlation between a human brain with its electrical synapses firing and these lightning strikes, like synapses, it's almost like the Earth is alive and it has brain waves. And our brain waves are tuned into it. Gee, <laughs> you know. Ooh. Ooh, connected to the earth? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah so there is a scientific oh, basis In a, in a for scientifically that. provable way? Oh, Ooh. absolutely. So, uh, in fact, the, my research has uh, brought me to the point where I have built a machine that artificially creates the same electromagnetic pulses as a geomagnetic storm. So now I can just turn that machine on and have instant intuition. Intuition amplifier. That's right. And I've been using it for about a year now, and it's it's pretty incredible. I bet it have is. Have you needed it, though? I mean, with with this last year's intensity with the solar flares. I know I've been, oh, yeah. apparently, I get 
seriously affected by them. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I get seriously affected by, by them because I told her that was what was going on, and she yelled at me about it. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. But, <laughs> but, I mean, have have you needed that machine much this year? Well, you know, it's not so much as needing it as studying the effects of different electromagnetic pulses, you know, enhancing or or decreasing. Uh, for instance, uh, under certain circumstances, with geomagnetic activity, I would feel ill, you know, and, and people get fearful and because it, it triggers off your amygdala. Um, your your right amygdala is where the uh, fight or flight uh, comes from. The the fear factor, when that gets stimulated, you feel you know feel fearful, um, and that can be stimulated by some of these particular frequencies of uh, solar flare energy, and this can create a kind of a counter effect. So you can counteract the negative ones and enhance the positive ones. I call it. Um, Jeez. A, you should send that machine up to me. <laughs> yeah, it's called a uh, linear electromagnetic neural stimulator, or the lens, because it amplifies, you know, like a lens of a camera. Right. Pretty sophisticated now, device, you know. Could could that amplify like depending on the frequencies that you're that you're using? Could that amplify different aspects of the human consciousness abilities? Like, I mean, it, your intuition, your healing abilities, your could it amplify different areas depending on? Absolutely. Have you gotten yes. that far in your? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I have a journal and I'm keeping track of everything. Uh, and and uh, my partner Sheila has also been undergoing the treatments. <laughs> and and uh, very interesting. I found one p- pattern. Um, it, this is a um, a rotational pattern, circumcerebral magnetic stimulation, which uh, is really high tech. For it spins a magnetic field around your brain. Um, so the rotation speed and what frequencies you're doing, they're all, you know, have different effects. And I found one combination that is so incredible. I have a little asterisk next to that one. It's like, wow, this is the good one. When you're doing the treatment, I mean, you get stoned. There's no other way to put it. It's like, wow, man, I am like totally gone here. Then later when you go to sleep, it's like you enter the matrix. You have these incredible, realistic dreams, but you know you're dreaming, and you can do anything. And I've done this many, many times, so it's like very consistent. This one particular pattern has this effect every time. So it's like, I think I'm going, going into the matrix tonight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want. And you know you can contact your your subconscious mind and have a conversation with it, and yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible. I, I'd like to find some other people, you know, somebody who have healing ability, and seeing, you know, what happens if you amplify that. 
Well, we got tons of healers at our disposal, so we'll so anybody listening, your way. you know, call um, it up. Right, right. You know, it's like we've uh, got animal communicators that listen to the show. That would be an interesting one to one to experiment with. Our animal true. communicators, see if that amplifies their abilities as well. And right. uh, you know, if you ever want to do healing experiments, get your passport. Yeah. Get your butt yeah. over to my mountain home in Canada. Come spend a week here. We'll play with your machine. I'm totally down with that. That'd be fun. The only thing we've drug, been drug hung up. Stoned. <laughs> yeah, it's like stoned without drugs, you know. Um, yeah, we've been just in holding pattern. Uh, Sheila is in the process of getting another job, and we didn't want to do anything. We actually were considering leaving the state and going someplace else because we wouldn't be able to stay here without her employment. But looks like things are going to turn out okay. So we'll we'll be okay. It was just a little scary there for a while. Because this is our this is our place. This is our healing retreat that we're working on here. Our 50 acres of woodlands in the mountains. Uh, yeah, that'd be a shame to have to leave that. For yeah, and it's nice financial and, reasons. Oh yeah, you know, and, and we've think. been living here for ten years, and we've owned the property for twenty years, so it's a it's a long term commitment. But it's it's looking good now. So then we'll it's like okay, time to take everything off hold and move ahead on projects. And one of them is to get our passports again. I mean, we had them, but they ran out. Um, yeah, they do that apparently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you talked about my the previous book, the penultimate key. <laughs> yes. You know, um, and I learned a lot from that. Um, and I think the important lesson I learned from from that particular experience was that I tried to do too much at once, and I realized that that was really meant to be three books, not one. It's like too confusing. And so that's the ultimate key came out of, let me split this into its three components and then add in the last couple of years, I made a lot of breakthroughs. And actually, a lot of them had to do with using the lens. I mean, you turn that on, it's like you plug yourself into the collective unconscious and things just come to you. You don't have to work at it. You know, you don't have to like go into meditation or think it. It's just it's there. It's like you, you make a connection to the source. And so that helped me put it together and say, okay, the first one I want to put out there is really the ultimate key. And then I'll go back and do the other two parts of it. And one of them is about uh, the other question that I asked. Uh, The first one being, you know, what is going on? Is there anything more to life than just the mundane existence? And that took me down the path of, you know, uh, how do you justify science looking at nature and trying to explain it strictly by, you know, the mundane laws? And then you got spirituality and you got stuff going on there that, you know, can't be explained by science. And how do you rectify that? And that was that one question. Um, and the other question was, what does it mean to be a human being in relation to, you know, the universe? You know, what purposes do we have? And that really was a book on its own. 
and a lot of the stories in there are pretty intense and people would hit those stories and they would be so emotionally overwhelmed that they didn't get to the other part so that was my decision there to to split it down and and the, the third book is actually purely the spiritual path of enlightenment um, I reached a point uh, which is in this book that uh, I had kind of like the the experience of oneness where you just become part of the universe and uh, the story of that path really is on its own I learned really that enlightenment isn't about believing something it's really about not believing anything that's when you really get enlightened when when you open yourself up to what the possibilities because belief tends to narrow those possibilities it does indeed it does indeed i agree completely um now i buddhist where they talk about in the beginner's mind the uh, in the expert's mind, the options are few, and in the beginner's mind, they're infinite. Yes. And I found a lot of parallels, you know, in uh, Buddhism to what I found, which ought to make the Buddhists feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of confirmation on a lot of things. And, and I've had some conversations with different people, and I, actually on both sides, um, because I spent time in Princeton, New Jersey, and hanging out with the professors from Princeton University and uh, from the um, Institute for Advanced Study and that kind of thing. And they were all kind of like, wow, you ought to write a book. Because <laughs> you're talking about stuff that very few people in the in the world really even discuss, much less understand. And I, and I would ask them some questions like, you know, what exactly is a field. You're talking about electromagnetic fields, you're talking about magnetic fields and you know, but what is it? I mean, what is a field made of? You know, and they don't know. They go, Well, we don't really know. It's like, what? You don't know? Well that's why we call it a field. Right. You know, it's like it's a mathematical construct that ex- mathematically explains the effects. But what is it made of? And they said, Well if you know, you can tell us. So I kept that in my mind and said, Okay <laughs> And when I finally figured it out, I wrote it in a book. So we'll see what they think of that. Though, <laughs> will be and, interesting. But there, there does seem to be some convergence in. Uh, uh, well, I know there's some convergence in science and spirituality, but it seems to be making its way into the vernacular, so to speak. Uh, yeah. More discussions and books and TED talks and things on it. It seems, anyway. Well, you know, I found that each side, if you want to put them in the sides that, you know, the the pure science people who, you know, don't believe in any kind of supernatural, and then the theologians who say everything can be explained by miracles, you know, if you take the extremes out there, they both kind of have their priesthoods. You know, obviously, the, the theolo- theological side, the... The religious side, you know, they have their their popes and the religious people that kind of like hand down, this is the way it is. But the scientific side has exactly the same thing on their side that, you know, they have a the, the top scientists who kind of say, well, this is the way things are. And for the most part, 
that's what people accept. Of course, they're always trying to prove different things. But, I mean, if just any old scientist makes a claim and says something, they go, they go prove it. You know, they don't just automatically believe it. Well, and but, a lot of scientists you know, have been called kooks and idiots and sure, and been almost dead before anybody else believed them and turns oh, out absolutely. they were right. You're, so, you know, from my point of view... until you're right. Yeah, you know, I kind of, you know, had my life one foot in each world. I, I kind of straddled both worlds because on the one side, I had my scientific side and I was skeptical and didn't believe things. And then I had my my spiritual and mystical experiences going on that couldn't be explained by science. And so I, I think that was my my calling right there. It's like, wait a minute, I, I got to rectify these two because there's got to be a logical, rational explanation that, that explains all this. And that's what really propelled me through the, the long 50-year quest to say, you know, there's got to be something out there. But, you know, when you come up with it, both camps are probably not going to be happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> every story. Yeah, so it's like there's the, the right way, the wrong way, and the, and the true way, you know, the way it really is. But I tried uh, to do my best to to put it out there, and that's why I say it's kind of like the key for unifying, because perhaps other people out there on both sides will kind of like take what I've put out there and go further and say, ah, you know, like I'm not a mathematician. I, I can do math in my head. <laughs> I can add numbers up and... Yeah. I do my grocery shopping. Uh, I add everything up as I'm going, and I'm usually within a couple dollars when I get to the register, you know. So I do have some mathematical ability, and I can grasp some things. When when we were having lunch at, you know, Princeton University, and these physicists were talking some of this stuff, I could understand some of it, but I'm certainly not on their level, so I I couldn't do a formula, you know, and that kind of thing. But I I did have some check some of the things I, I said when I was working there in Princeton. Uh, for instance, the my theory of the six dimensions, because there are uh, string theory people, I mean, they go 14 dimensions, 28 dimensions, and that's only because we've lost some. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot of dimensions. Do we really need that many? And that didn't jive with the other axiom that says the universe does things in the simplest, easiest possible way. It doesn't waste energy. You know, it wouldn't waste making 28 dimensions if it could do it in four. It would just do it in four. It's like, that just makes sense. And uh, I I ran it through uh, a couple of minds out there who said, well, you know, you may have something there. Six does work mathematically. So, it's like, well, I'll just put it out there and see what happens. Makes sense to me, but, you know. Well, and it's... Well, it's, I it. it makes sense to me. Both sides of the camp really have themselves walled off in their ivory towers, and they don't yeah. much talk about... Quantum physicists almost get a little 
they look a little green around the edges and they change the subject when you start asking them about, well, doesn't quantum physics say that physical reality doesn't be there until some observer comes along? They, right. they change the subject because they don't, one, they don't get that right. and, and uh, fully. And two, it makes it seem like, well, wait a minute, you took this science as far as you can take it and it, it went to the point of absurdity. So let's some, go back and retrace and see if we can do this better. But And, you know, both sides actually have a problem, too, that we're constantly making new discoveries, both on the religious side and on the scientific side. I mean, we're constantly revising the theories. You know, I mean, when I was very young, the first science I was taught was that atoms were like little solar systems. You know, the Bohr atom, B-O-H-R. Mm. Yeah. You know, they were yeah. little planets circling a little sun, you know, and that's where the atoms were. And then later on, it was like, oh, actually, no, never mind. We, we found out more, and now we know. It. I was like, well, you did, no. well, huh? We'll talk about shells, electron shells. and right. Now, now you, you know, got a picture of Russian dolls in your head. And you're exactly, going, you know. Yeah, but and then they're like, "Well, it's not really that either." Right. Well, come now. It wasn't that long ago that they told us the Earth was flat, and right. then you know, they uh, told us it was perfectly round, and then they discovered that it's not perfectly round. So, right. it, it's science is a progression of understanding and discovery, oh, and, and I think and, that. If generationally speaking, each generation discovers what they can accept, what they can mm-hmm. understand right. on a mass level, and then the next generation can go a step beyond that. If you took the knowledge that we have now and, and dumped it into Roman times and asked, you know, Caesar to to accept these things that we know now as truths, I don't know. You, you might get fed to the lions. That's right. <laughs> Find yourself in the arena. Absolutely. These, these people give me a headache. Take them to the Coliseum. <laughs> you know, and while I was uh, working in Princeton, that's when the Dead Sea Scrolls became public. But when I was I was working at the seminary where the Dead Sea Scrolls were being studied before they became public, and there was this old house uh, up on the corner and very nondescript. You couldn't tell from any other old Victorian-like house in Princeton. And I would go in there and then go down a hallway, and there was a little plain old door and a tiny little sign that said Dead Sea Scrolls Project. And I would go in there. There was a couple of guys working on computers and looking at photographs. They had the complete set of all the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I'd, you know, go to work on the computers and that kind of stuff. And they would talk and we would talk. And they were telling me, like, wow, you know, it's like uh, we're finding out all these things all the time. And there's so much information here. I mean, it's going to change everything. And, of course, there there were quite a few uh, things that came out right after that when I think it was a – a college in California that actually released the um, the Dead Sea Scrolls to the public, but the guy I was working with was the one I got on CNN and announced, okay, now they're public. 
but it's they told me, you know, we're never going to release everything because there's stuff in here that people just don't want to hear. It would really shake up <laughs> the world if we released everything. So we're going to release like 90% of it, and we're going to keep the other 10% quiet. I was like, well, why would you do that? I mean, isn't the truth the truth? And they said, trust us, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. But hasn't that That's always right. been the institutional methodology? I mean, right. really, if you think about it, church, government, they... and. Government, and military, sometimes, secret sometimes society. Sometimes I don't think it's just about fight club. It's just about holding on to the power. I don't think it's just about maintaining power over people. I think it's sometimes it's it's because of serious concern over you know anarchy being raised when right. people try to accept and understand these truths that go against everything that they have so far been told is is reality uh, the human mind as it is now i don't know what we're going to be in five generations it'll be interesting but as it is now can only accept so much i mean even even the most intensive spiritual journeys usually take a lifetime mm-hmm. and in previous generations they used to take several lifetimes so you know to ask to ask a society that's based I'm not going to say solely on Christian values, but a large part of our society, especially in Canada and the United States, is based on on Christian values. To ask them to completely revisit their understanding of the biblical histories would be almost cruel. Right. Well, you know, because people, you, you can make a small change. But, wow, the whole fabric? I'll tell you, one of the uh, revelations that came out of that was I said to uh, one of the researchers there, well, give me an example. Tell me something in there that will not ever get out to the public eye. And he said, okay. We have in the Dead Sea Scrolls letters from Samson to Delilah. It's like, oh, well, that's cool. Why wouldn't you want them out there? Doesn't that kind of like prove that they were real people and existed? And he said, well, not necessarily. I mean, it could still be a story. We we don't know. And there's no historical proof. But, you know, but there are these letters in here. But we're not going to release them. And I said, why not? He said, because even by today's standard, their pornography. I was like, wow, really? Two thousand year old pornography? And he said, Yeah, he said uh and he he read me a translation of one of them and I was beat red. I was I was so you? embarrassed. Me, yes. No. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, really? I mean that's like really, really bad. <laughs> I was going to say, because if anything makes you blush, I yeah, there's yeah, th- that had to be bad. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Naughty, yeah. naughty has always been around. <clears throat> oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I was like, okay, well, you know, that's, I could understand that. But there, there were plenty of other things. And, you know, I mean, most of it is out there. I mean, people can buy books now that, that have a lot of the translations in them, but 
it's not everything. Never will be everything. There, there are some parts of it that just are for scholars only. But yeah, you know, like I said, you know, my time at the seminary was actually kind of a special moment for me because you know, I had the one foot in the scientific world. I had contact with the Princeton University professors and people from the Institute for Advanced Study, which was founded by Einstein. In fact, I used to walk past Einstein's house all the time and just stop and look and say, that's where he was. No, he died in this house. It's like, whoa. But um, And I used to walk in the Institute woods in the morning. I used to take a five-mile walk before my classes just to get my head straight before dealing with a classroom full of uh, nine-year-olds. <laughs> and... Uh, so, on the one hand, I'm talking to some of the top theologians in the world have access to one of the best, I think it's the third biggest theological library in the world. And it's like, I can ask these people questions on both sides. And at that time in my life, it, it was kind of like coming together. And it, it was just a wonderful experience. <laughs> and Ironically, I was having some of my psychic moments. Uh, I don't think I told it in this one. I think it was in the original um, penultimate key. Yes, I, I did definitely take it out of here. There was um, a woman who was a minister that worked there. And I had a dream. And in the dream, uh, a man in the dream came to me. And he gave me a message for her. It's like, this is one I worked with, but barely. You know how I kind of knew her in passing. And I'm like, okay, well, you're giving this message to me, fine. I didn't know that there was a geomagnetic storm going on at night. I only found out later. So I went to her office and, you know, knocked on the door. And I said, she's going to think I'm really a nutcase here. But I said, oh, you know, you kind of feel sometimes that you've got your obligation so I said, look, I had this dream. I don't know if it means anything, but I'm going to tell you. And I said, the guy came to me in my dream, and I described him, and her eyes got wide, and she was like, I know who you're talking about. It's like, you do? I said, I'll tell you, I, I was feeling intimidated by this guy. In the dream, I, I felt scared of him. And she said, yeah, well, he was a pretty nasty you know, character, so that fits. And I said, okay, well, he told me to tell you something, but I don't know if I really want to tell you because it's very personal and uh, I'm really hesitant. I was literally sweating, you know, going, I don't know if I really want to say this. And she said, okay. And I said, well, you've got breast cancer. And dead silence. And then she started to cry and said, how did you know only my doctor and me and my husband know. Not even my children know. And I said, not only do you have breast cancer, but it's metastatic breast cancer. And don't worry, because you're going to be okay. It's going to spontaneously go into remission. And by this time, she was like, hold on, what's going on here? Now, see, she had in the congregation, and her congregation had a very high incidence of breast cancer. And I said, you're the example that faith can cure anything. That is why this is happening to you. Well, needless to say, 
It went into spontaneous remission. She's still around today. She should have died, but she's still here and she's fine. It happened exactly as it was told to me in my dream. As a matter of fact... Uh, uh, it's such a cool story. She she mar- was her... She had gotten divorced years ago, and the guy in the dream was her ex-husband. See? Uh. And uh, the guy that... I said husband, I don't think, I can't remember if she got married just before that or just after that, but she asked me to come to her reception so that there would be good weather. I was like her good luck charm, her good weather luck charm because it was an outdoor reception. And this was the time, (laughs) do you remember, I think it was 94, the great western floods when the Mississippi and all them flooded and it was torrential rains for like weeks at a time and I mean, it was flooded from, you know, the Gulf of Mexico, half the United States was flooded. Do you remember that? Yeah. You know, the, the Great Inland Sea, they called it. Well, this was during a time when it was raining and raining and raining and raining and raining, and she's going to have this outside reception. So I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll do what I can. Well, that day was picture perfect. Not a cloud in the sky, beautiful, warm weather. And she said, thank you for that. Because the next day, it poured down rain again. For that one day, it was perfect. Now, I had to ask myself, coincidence? But as I say in my book, how many coincidences does it take before it's no longer a coincidence? Before it's not a coincidence. Right. You know, is it once, twice, five times? Don't know. You know, but that's the way it happened. And she believed and it was because I was there that she had a, she didn't invite me to the wedding though, just the reception. <laughs> There's limits, you know. Limits to how much I'm putting up with, but I need good yeah, weather. Right. But I spoke to her oh, a few years ago and she was doing just fine. And and she was an inspiration to her congregation because I mean, faith does manage. There there is a power to faith and belief. You oh, know, yeah. Despite what I say in my book, it's not really in conflict with it, believe it or not, because we are so much more powerful than we've led to believe. I mean, well, we... It's not in conflict with it at all. Yeah, it's not, not, no, not really. with it at all, really. Think in terms of, of creating your own reality. If faith yeah. is a way for you to believe that you can be healed, mm-hmm. and who cares how you believe that you're going to get healed? Right. If you believe that you're going to get healed, be it God doing it, your higher self doing it, or the healer down the street doing it with their magic hands, who cares how, if you believe it, it's going to happen. And that's, and that's where... That ties into what we were saying earlier, you know, about doctors not giving you hope. You know, I mean, it, it's the placebo effect, which they've been studying that if you give people, you know, a sugar candy and tell them it's going to cure them, sometimes it does because they believe it. Yeah, they don't like to you talk know? about that so much. And they, That's right. The placebo effect is becoming more powerful, apparently, and they're yeah. really not talking about that much. Right. <laughs> and, of course, it's just a way for us to focus, you know, our, our own power. Permission and, slips. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, if you truly believe something into into your subconscious mind, it, it will do whatever it can to make that your reality. And since your subconscious mind controls your physical body to the cellular level, if you believe that you are healthy, then it will make you healthy. I mean, it's that simple. Indeed. Indeed. Absolutely. Well, we should take a break, and then when we come back, we will... um, Can you ask me another question? (laughs) Yeah, we'll dance some other questions, and and, I'll put the links up in the chat room again so everybody can find your uh, book, because this is just the edge of the ice, the tip of the iceberg, folks. So, what do you think, Gene? Are we Aquarian, or what are we doing? I don't know. Surprise me. I like the Aquarian song. Yes, me too. It makes me feel good. So we'll try that one. This is uh, our new friend, Jolene, and uh, with Aquarius. And uh, it's J-O-E-L-E-E-N uh, at JoleneWorld.com. And I'll get the link up in the chat room here just momentarily. We'll be back in about four minutes. Stay with us, folks. Everybody has a story, a moment in their life that was a turning point that set them upon a path of self-discovery and adventure. Here at Everyday Connection, we value the sharing of those moments, recognizing them to be the inspiring and uplifting gifts that they truly are. We would like to show our appreciation, not just to our guests and sponsors, but to our listeners and supporters who make it possible for us to share those stories. If you would like to support the continued success of Everyday Connection, share your own story, or know somebody whose story can touch the hearts of others, drop by everydayconnection.me and find out how you can become a part of our ever-expanding EC family.
I got it this time. It's exactly five Yay, seconds. You. Exactly five seconds early, the ending of that song, compared to its timer thingy. Blog Talk, I'm not sure that there's anything it does the same way twice. But that's cool. <laughs> <clears throat> it's kind of like the pause between when Sally says zero, counts us down to being live on the air, and, and, and when the theme song actually starts. It was a long one tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of these times, one of us is going to go, is it? And then it'll start. That'll be fun. <laughs> anyway, that was our friend Jolene at Jolene World, J-O-E-L-E-E-N world.com. Uh, go check her out. Uh, very talented lady and uh, lots more cool music besides just that one. But I like that one. Updated Age of Aquarius. The first one in the 60s was dress rehearsal. Now, ah. it's, now it's opening night. Oh. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the advances that that they're making, sometimes I think they don't know they're, they're I I I think maybe they'll catch on soon. I saw an article recently that people's depression was, you know, they put them in these active MRI scanners and watched the parts of their brain lighting up and stuff and showing them different pictures. And um, But not only did the people that were seeing the happy pictures get better, everybody got better. The happy picture people got better faster, but everybody got better. And... I have I have my opinions, but I think that often, depending on the uh, alternating current frequency used and, and, and how the machine runs and all that sort of thing, that I know that coming into electromagnetic alignment with the patterns on the Earth is extraordinarily healthy. And I think that sometimes, even if it's not like the field of the machine is in alignment, it shakes you out of a stuck alignment and you get back in alignment and that the improvements from being in the MRI, not for whatever else they did. And now you're having an electromagnetic field tuned specifically that is working in much that way, it seems yeah. like. I have a um, an experiment that I'm oh getting ready to try pretty soon. I, I, I I'm building a second headset and I I added jacks to machines that I can run two headsets at the same time exactly to the same frequency now in theory if two people were to be connected via the machine they would experience true telepathy that ought to be an interesting experiment Oh, my. Yes, I think so. Uh, they've done some similar research up there at uh, Laurentian, but the, their machine that they're using is different from mine. My, mine's completely different. My, I just mine from the ground up. Now, these these effects that the machine causes, they're short-term, or uh, with repeated use, would they become long-term? Yes, 
Um, that's what I'm training. curious about. Yeah, it's training wheels. Eventually, you don't okay. need the machine because your brain will learn how to do it. It's um, call it. Uh, so it's really like it's re- it's like rewiring the synopsis when you. Yes. I mean, they they tell you that you can you can go from being an angry person to being a very happy, pleasant person simply by consciously changing your outlook and your perceptions and your reactions. So eventually yeah. your synopsis will re- rewire themselves. Yes. And this is sort of like brainwave feedback, like biofeedback. Right. So it's just a yeah. more convenient, shorter version. Well, it's... <laughs> some people... Machine assisted. I'm not going to necessarily insist it's true, but some people say the same thing about, for example, psychedelic uh, substances. That they right. they assist you to achieve a certain state so that you can then be familiar with it so you can do it without the assistance. Right. Right. But... Um, yeah, this is um, hopefully, you know, a lot uh, safer than than drugs. Indeed, because the the magnetic fields um, are actually very very low power on the about um, ten. What is that? Ten milligauss. Very very low power. In fact, even lower than that. About the same as you would get wearing a pair of headphones. Right, except purposefully tuned. Tuned in a certain in a certain way, instead of just right. strange magnetic fields on the side of your head. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, you know, I mean, they've been talking about cell phones and how cell phones are causing people to have cancer, and of course, the cell phone companies are totally denying it, but. I don't know. I have to think that there is a correlation. There's been studies of how electromagnetic fields affect biological, you know, uh, organisms, and there definitely is a connection, no matter what they say. Um, So it depends on the frequencies. I mean, it can be harmful or it can be beneficial. The, The frequency makes the big difference, and the intensity also. In fact, if I turn the intensity up too high, it actually doesn't have an effect. Because when you think about it, if we're really talking about the effect that the Schumann waves have on the human body, well, the Schumann waves are very, very, very low intensity, low frequency, you know, a few hertz and and microwatts, nanowatts traveling around the planet. So, I mean... Yeah, it's, it's not a big... you know. A, a big mechanism zapping us no. like crazy all the time. That's, no, and, and even the MRI fields are way stronger. Yeah, well, that's why I th- not everybody gets in an MRI and comes out healed. Exactly. Uh, because it's, and, and I, I doubt that it's, their tuning is for their imaging, not for any sure. thought of what it might do to the person inside. Um, scientists can do that a little bit, you know. Yeah, and that's you know the uh, I think the the leg up that I have is that I'm not looking at it from the I'm only half looking at it from the biological standpoint. Uh, I'm looking at the other half from the spiritual standpoint. From my understanding, 
you know, that we have a spiritual component that is natural and it's part of the universe. It's part it's connected to the collective unconscious. You know, as Carl Jung would say, you know. Um and, and I go out of detail on this in the book and I, I use a Venn diagram kind of thing that, that shows that, you know, we are at the intersection of the physical and what I call the temporal or the spiritual, and then that's where consciousness lives. Consciousness lives at the at the junction point of those two parts of the duality, and so my whole conceptualization of you know what I have put together is based on that assumption that says you know it's not just about stimulating the brain or in being in tune with my brain waves. It's also making the collect the connection to the, the spiritual part, the the collective unconscious, the our soul, that is tied into this whole thing. <laughs> and I'm speaking, and we're getting thunderstorms now. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm still connected to you. Here they come. <laughs> yeah. The electromagnetic uh, fields are sti- mm-hmm. you know Schumann resonance right. stimulators. Right. Gaia is thinking about something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, her synapses are firing. Um, so, you know, I'm using techniques and everything that are designed to work with both worlds, you know, the, the scientific biological world and the spiritual, as I call temporal world at the same time, joining them together. It's all about synchronizing. Well, and you know, when you think about, um, how our unconsciousness or our subconscious or unconscious mind really runs our life. Everything we do comes from there. You know, we're we're driven by And and, know, and it's a good thing too. It's it's gotten a bad rap. It's a it, it's really in a way a good thing cuz most most of reality we've, you know, punched into the computer of our subconscious mind and it just keeps it going. Right. I'd hate to have to think about every heartbeat. I'd forget. Sure. And that would be a <laughs> oh. <book> problem. <laughs> right. You know, so, and like I say, I go into detail there talking about how the sub, what I call the subconscious mind is a part of our physical brain. That's, that's our little computer that we program in, and it, it's, it's a clock mechanism. It causes our heart to beat and everything, as opposed to our unconscious mind which is really what people would call our soul, our, our spiritual drives. Now, our physical drive is to survive, but, but our spiritual drive is coming from our karma. You know, it's driving us to have experiences. Yes, experience is the name of the game. And that's we find ourselves doing this same things over and over again. Uh-oh. You know, or just it, it just is, you know. Problem? Oh, it sounded like maybe the thunderstorm was edging in a little bit there. Yeah, it's it's but, uh, uh we're still connected. It's coming down pretty hard right now. Yeah, it's pouring rain and thundering and lightning. But we're we're hanging in there. Lights are flickering. I'm out in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well it yeah. does that here and I'm in yeah. suburbia. Yeah. Uh but uh, 
So yeah, so that that's you know where that that whole thing. I mean, the, yeah, the and I think they, I, I I think it's about time that they take a more holistic view, uh, like you're describing of you know like one foot in each, right? Considering both because I I think that there are disturbances that uh, to electromagnetic fields, our electromagnetic field, um, which you know, just the electromagnetic field of our hearts can be detected three meters out. Right. Um, that are not good for us. You know, certain probably types of lighting fixtures. Certainly, these MRI machines, if they're not, since they they're not taking into account any of the frequencies or construct of our electromagnetic field, they're just right. trying to look inside some flesh and bones. You know, and it's two way. I mean, haven't you had the experience or or know somebody that light bulbs blow out when they walk past them? Yeah, or or their street lights, their entire internet connection from the pole right. to the house <laughs> to the router right. blows up. You know, we've sure. done that and three times so far. I, Jeez. yeah, I I keep blowing up. I'm hoping that it's not going to happen here because I have a dish now, so I'm kind of hoping that <laughs> it can get but rid I of a little extra energy. Uh, yeah. We flow uh, a lot of energy three, sometimes. Three internet systems. We blew right. out a guest's router one night, right at the oh, end yeah. of the show, though. Mm-hmm. We got the show in, and then, boom! It was like, I just, like just a couple minutes ago, I thought we were about to lose you. I was like, I wish they wouldn't put the timer on the show like that. But yeah, sometimes <laughs> it sometimes it happens. George is, uh, well, George is George. And, and I... I, d- I do have a friend who um, her and I can't be in the same room and work on a computer together <laughs> because when we put our energy together, we crash. Anything electronic doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, there's a woman I work with that um, she just dry- she goes through computers like crazy. They work for a while and then they stop working, and they will not work in her presence. And I take it away, and it works fine. And I, I brought in, you know, I, I was a paranormal investigator for a while, so I still have some of my ghostbusting equipment long before Ghostbusters came out back in the early 80s. And I, I brought one of my electromagnetic field strength meters in there, ultra sensitive, and she gives off a reading. She can't wear watches, you know, they stop. I was going to say, there's, even before the days of high technology, there were people that couldn't wear a mechanical watch, it stopped. That's right. And she's one of those people. And she, you know, street lights burn out when she drives under them. That kind of thing. All the time. And wow. this thing will just buzz whenever I get close to her. And it's like, you have an electromagnetic field around your body. I, mean, I, don't think I've, I don't think I've ever burned one out. But if if I go my little route from here to the civilization, which is a couple of miles up the road, two or three of the lights will turn off. Yeah. But then when I'm coming back home, they're back on again. But <laughs> right when I'm underneath it, it turns off. And 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 then it happens again. And I just laugh at it these days. I don't pay much attention. But um, at first, it was kind of annoying. <laughs> well, you know, uh, one of my axioms is if it's true one way, then it's true the other. You know, so if we're affected by electromagnetic fields, then it makes sense that we can affect electromagnetic fields. No, absolutely. 
you know, a scientist would have well, scoffed at that. that. That would explain healing, too, though, of course. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that would be the electromagnetic field of one person affecting the electromagnetic field of another. Absolutely. If somebody was in an an electromagnetic state of wholeness, wellness, and their electromagnetic field was so stable because they were so stable in that belief, if you will, they could just almost walk into the room and overwhelm and cause to come into coherence the other electromagnetic field. You know, and that and that goes to one of the basic laws that I talk about in the book, resonance. You know, we all have kind of a resonant frequency. And if you come across someone who's disharmonious with your resonant frequency, you don't get along with that person. You know, I mean, you, you're attracted to some people and repelled by others who don't, perfect strangers, because you know, their electromagnetic field is not in tune with you. And that's very important to know. Like if you go to a doctor who's going to be healing you, if you don't get good vibes from that doctor, he probably has a resonant frequency that's not harmonious with you and you're not going to get anywhere. And it doesn't really matter whether they're a talented, whether they've memorized all the books they have to memorize to be a doctor. It's, it's right. They're going to have a negative effect on your aura. You got to find a healer that you know is in tune with you. Yeah, yeah. Mine can be a little alarmist, but but all in all, we work together very well. Uh, Hopefully, we'll make it through the show. And rather 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 a little alarmist than just you know take this pill, go home, and you know then you end up croaking because they missed it. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a real uh, opportunity too. Uh, there are people that are naturally sensitive to the physical template, electromagnetic template of, and and, and can feel when somebody's got a problem in an area, or or it, sometimes they can be quite specific. But mm-hmm. a lot and of you people know, um, that can zero in on an area, and and in my opinion, science could benefit from working with those people. At least long sure. enough to figure out if the statistics add up. They won't even give it that. They like test them twice, and they go, "Well, they only got one, and we can't do fifty percent because we're doctors. We're perfect." Yeah, right. Yeah. When I was um, just out of high school, I apprenticed with an electrician because there wasn't much in electronics around in uh, Pleasantville, New Jersey, <laughs> back in uh, <laughs> 1970, and. I've been working with this electrician, and I would touch something, and I go, oh, I, I can feel this This isn't grounded properly. And the electrician would go, there's no way you can tell that by touching. You just can't tell. And I said, no, trust me, this is not grounded properly. So he would get his meter, and he would test it, and he was like, there's five volts on this thing. No human being can detect five volts. But you're right, it isn't properly grounded. So how did I know? How did I feel that? You You didn't feel it. He just refused to accept that I could feel that. It's like, no, this one over here is his grounded, and this one isn't. And you put some meter on it, and yeah, that one has five volts on it. But he just refused to accept that that's what it was. Just a lucky guess. But for me, it was like, yeah, of course I can feel that electromagnetic field. I think we all can. I think we Buzzing all have humming in there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a question of becoming sensitive to it, because... It, 
it doesn't always it's not always necessarily a physical sensation in the fingers and so right. some of the electromagnetic changes we detected as kids we were told were our imagination and you know that's an important lesson uh, or important message in, in what i've written you know that i am nobody special i'm just a regular person i've had unusual experiences and i've been you know in situations which aren't your average person's, you know, but I was kind of open to it, you know, but there's nothing special. Yeah, you invited those in. You asked for them. Yeah, right. You know, I was looking and I was open, but those were experiences. I think, you know, we all could really be back in tune, as I think we used to be in tune with the earth and with the natural way of things before technology, you know, and life was more harmonious then. Well, and they look at some of the historical societies that just like up and disappeared, and mm. but a, but another one appeared some hundreds of or even a thousand miles away that was very similar, and they call it it's a descendant of the other one. Mm. And they'll look and say, oh, there was a big drought that they had to leave, but they'll find out they left right before the drought started. Right. Instead of and so then they just they dismiss that they say oh well it was it couldn't have been the drought well what if they knew it was coming because they could feel the electromagnetic field changes just a thought right this kind of uh, plays into my my next series of books of a trilogy that I'm writing of fiction now Gene didn't you tell me uh, one time you were writing something fiction. Um, I have a concept, but I haven't started on it yet. I'm now in an ideal place to start working on it. Um, yeah, I. Well, all my books are published as fiction, Robert. Oh, I know. Yes. <laughs> Don't want to have to go on Oprah and tell everybody it's true. Yes, right. Or um, but, uh, yeah, we don't want yeah. people running and scared and all that stuff. But yeah, I do have a concept for for fiction in that it's it's not historical it's not experiential it's futuristic right could could be hysterical but it's not historical <laughs> it could be hysterical but it's not historical it's it's yeah. um it's about it's about what if yes yeah. uh, basically along the same lines as me the first one takes place uh in 2013 just coming around the corner just around so the corner it'll probably be current by the time it comes out, you know. But oh, and my book is not on Amazon yet. Very frustrated with that. Well, <laughs> but you'll it's let us know iBooks. as soon as it is, and we'll we'll yes. put the link to iBooks in the archive tonight. And uh, in Barnes and Noble, it's available on the Nook now. I actually have to uh, catch up on my archives because while my boss has been gone and my doctor has been playing hijinks, yeah. I've not gotten yeah. all the. Uh, archives up but uh, we'll have a link to that and you let us know as soon as it's on Amazon we'll put a nice pretty link to that on the archive as well because uh, yes. I think everybody ought to have a have a peek it's quite the interesting work sir thank you yes I I was just thinking uh, today I, I was talking to someone about it and it's like you know I can hardly believe sometimes that I wrote that <laughs> I, I look through it and go, "Wow, did I write that?" That was that was it, me. <clears throat> yeah. 
So but, put I put mean, the links up in the chat room a couple of times. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to yeah. step on your line, but uh, whose line is it anyway? Um, <laughs> but for our podcast listeners, of, of whom there are many and, and for whom we're grateful, um, what do we have last week, 1010? Jane, mm-hmm. podcast listeners, recording listeners, amazing. Anyway, uh, the link is uh, www.facebook.com forward slash the ultimate key. Uh, I wanted to be sure and get that read in there as well as typed in there for our podcast listeners. Still working on that website. It's but brand new and and book's not even up on Amazon yet. We we we've got them in here when it's fresh off the. Fresh off the press. Freshly pressed, ladies and gentlemen. Available on the Nook and and uh, iTunes for iPads, iPods, and so forth. Uh, you nice. know, in the ebook uh, version, doesn't have the photos in it. There's some. There's a few photographs. There's only what four in there. It's not a lot. Uh, there's actually photo. I think there's only two. Yeah, there's two photos. And the rest are illustrations. The illustrations are in there, but the the two photos are from um, a seance in the paranormal group research group I was in, where a table levitated off the floor in front of 36 people of all varying belief systems, and nobody saw anything except for the table levitate. But I was taking photographs, and in in the photographs you could see a ball of light actually go through the table and around the people's hands and lift the table up. But nobody saw it with their eyes. It only showed up on the film. And those photographs are in the printed version only. Well, that's good. People have a reason to buy the book. I'm a big fan of books. Yeah. It's only 134 pages. I have a Kindle. I have a Kindle. But uh, I think I want it. Um, I like books. I like libraries that smell like old books. And, of course... Really, people, let's get over it. The, that library smell is the smell of dust and decay of paper. But, but hey, I like it. <laughs> well, if you like the smell of dust and get decay of paper, then you want to come help me set up the rest of the house? <laughs> oh, you know. I'm, That's why she's asking me to get my passport. I, I know. I, I would get, come up there and, and just pack and unpack it all for you. But, you know, Actually, I've got... Doctor thing going on that they're playing drama with I, me. I, I have to stay for just. I want minute. you to get your passport, Robert, so that you can bring that that um, tool up Eleven. here, so we can um, play some healing games after I've you know managed to destroy my body going through the house and getting everything. <laughs> <laughs> Once I'm exhausted and everything's done, that's when you need to come. Well, it's, right. it's such a destination now. I mean. I've not been to Montreal. I've been to several places in Canada, but you know, I was not under as much feeling of pull to go visit my partner until now that she's on the quartz aquifer with the Masonic Chapel and the sounds fast. The synchronicities that I hear going on, and uh, it's a whole other book. And I put me up. I don't even have to fresh up the guest room. I'll just put me a sleeping bag on the floor next to the floor-to-ceiling windows in the garage thingy. That sounds That's like good, because we don't have a guest room yet. See? See? Yeah. I'm, I'm not particular. I'm easy to please. I just want well, to see the thing. Um, 
the the demon wants to turn I you know I want to turn that garage thingy into um studio into a studio right but he wants to turn it into a guest room and I was looking at it today cuz all of our stuff is in there and I realized that it's more than big enough that we could turn it into half of it be a studio and half of it be a guest room and it would still be yeah, we could actually fit two guest rooms in there and a studio. Yeah. It's, get it's some so of those, massive. Yeah. Get some of those little screen things like people used to use to divide rooms before it was. No, no, we're going to renovate it. You know. Build. Oh, well, okay, put a wall. Build actual walls. <laughs> Partition walls are easy, but, you know, because there's not much walls to Walls and doors. And well, we come to the close to the close of another 90 minutes of delightfulness. Thank you so much for coming and playing with us, Robert. Oh, fun. it was wonderful. We uh, hang around like our virtual sam- sandbox, our virtual campfire. But we may have to get a studio set and put it on our website, Gene, just so people can see the the musty, dusty old library that I see everybody in and the sandbox you see everybody in and the whatever whatever everybody sees. I'm seeing things. <laughs> it's kind of like going to the doctor today. Your blood sugar's a little high. Well, you understand that there's sort of some DNA rewrites and and, and realignments going on in the body. It's it'll be fine in a little bit. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, that, I might have had a visit with some other folks in white coats. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great talking to you, and I haven't talked to Gene in a while, so it was nice talking to you again. Yeah, it was absolutely uh, absolutely a pleasure. I'm fascinated, fascinated, I got to say, by this machine. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Just Well, because I, I know from personal experience how sensitive I am to electromagnetic fields. Um, computers can make, well, I can make them wonky, and they can make me really wonky. Uh, wearing a headset for too long or being near a computer for too long makes me not happy, which is part of the reason why we moved out to the middle of the bush, so that I could get away from all of that and have have the nature around me. Um, so I'm really fascinated by by the conceptual development of it and by your experimentation with it and I can't wait to see where it goes and I'm offering myself as a guinea pig at yeah. any time because I'd love to play with that machine. I really would. Well, and I'd love I want to see, see the, how far you can take this. I want to see and the side effects, a, you know, like right. like better shielding of right. consumer devices perhaps. You know, and I, I use a brainwave monitor, a live brainwave monitor that shows your brainwaves on the screen so you actually watch the effects as you're using it it's a it's a pretty cool it's a wireless headband so you can and I'm, wear you know anytime anywhere i just want to play with the cool toys like i'm, I'm yeah. really interested in in some of the some of the practical practical uses for it like depression and um addiction and and stuff like that oh so yeah i did I, uh, you know there's there's another check mark on one of the things that says don't ever use this one again. <laughs> it's like, uh, don't ever try that one again. That was like oh boy. Bad frequency, not too bad. Do. Bad frequency. Don't use again. And I was like uh, don't ever want to repeat that experience. If you turn on the right amygdala in the wrong way, it's very bad. Fortunately, like just one time, it's, it's well, over. 
shortly. I, but. I think it'd be interesting because our cities are crisscrossed with transformers and electric lines and oh, and we're being absolutely. And so, if you could find that, you know, there was a certain sort of broad ranging, doesn't really freak anybody out. Frequency sort of makes everybody comfortable. And you, all you'd have to do is just add a few transformers. You pump the map of the lines into a computer. It'd tell you where to put them to make that frequency happen. And, yeah, pattern uh, number nine. Huh? Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. You know, pattern number nine, and everybody be like, "Wow!" <laughs> whenever it's a whenever it's a um, a holiday, a, a national holiday, they can flip the grids to go to the one that gets you high, <laughs> electromagnetics, right? That's right. No more Budweiser for anybody, oh, man. Just flip the switch. Wow. Sure. <laughs> wow. Well, We're taking technology to a whole new level. Who needs pills and booze? We got right. We got headbangers hey, now. I, I, Turn I, it off, and uh, nobody can tell that there was anything unusual. I tell you, Jane, but there's a website. I'm not going to give out the website, but people can go search for it if they wish. There is a website where... These gentlemen have listened to it through headphones, uh, resonant frequency, and and they have alcohol. Oh yes, they have a bunch of different drugs listed. Yeah, and, I looked into that. I do binaural. Uh, I yeah, use binaural, binaural beats, and uh, yeah. and I I see no reason why they can't. It's just a it's just a state of being, and state of being, at least on your soul level, has this. More to do with emotional electromagnetic fields than it does with flesh and bones. So, I mean, I, I, very cool. Uh, are we still on? <laughs> we are. We're yeah. still on for we, we we program a little flex time, but we okay. are going to have to have you back because it's just too. Oh yeah, I mean, we hardly touched on anything in there, but too juicy um, a subject. <laughs> uh, I I write in there that I did some experimentation in drugs at one point, looking for the shaman experience. You know, how shamans use substances to get into that spiritual state. And, and in my case, it didn't really work as well as just even plain meditation. I could get further, way further than drugs kind of interfered, actually, in my case, um, which actually turned out to be uh, good for me because that's how I survived that uh, operation because my system... I must have a good liver or whatever. I, I filter drugs out of my system very, very quickly. And so I was able to fight that drug and, and keep from dying. But uh, I, I did go through a period of time and, you know, I was trying different things and, uh, you know, didn't get there. But I found out later that just if you meditate in a certain way, it's far, far more effective than any drug. I mean, you can trip on meditation. You know, I've done it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you don't need drugs, really. You you can do so much more without them. But, you know, there are cases, the, the hallucinogens, of course, are a shortcut, but it's really a short circuit. You know, you can yeah. train yourself to, to do what the hallucinogens do. I think that that's what... Traditionally, in the shaman in the shaman line of tradition, I think that's what they were used for was, like you said, training wheels. I don't think it was Absolutely. an end in of itself, and right. uh, uh, and that's where people have missed it is gone in there and said, oh, the shamans drank this, and then they start drinking it every weekend. Oh, right. well, yeah. you're, 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, but the shamans were also trained for years before they even drank it. That's right. I mean, that's yeah. the thing that people need to understand when they're messing with these these particular drugs for a shamanic experience. There is a, you know, there's the child children are raised to be shaman. Yeah. They're chosen from the time that they're very young, and they're taught everything that they need to be taught to have a positive experience on this drug. And they're mm-hmm. put in an environment that will allow them to have a positive experience on this drug. That's like the thing. The, the I mean, shaman that Mitch Schultz trusts in the ayahuasca uh, line often makes you come down there for two weeks. And hang out for two weeks before he'll even consider it. Yeah. And he makes you go on hikes. He wants to check your physical. He's he's doing it in the jungle, but he's doing what they might do in hospitals. They're doing a cardiac stress test, and he wants to know if you're taking anything because modern antidepressants, the ayahuasca has MAO inhibitors in it, so they don't get along. And 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 it, it's there's much more to it. There's, you know. And that's nothing like shaman training. That's just for, you know, Joe on the street. That's for a, that's for a one-time experience to right, see what right. this is all about. Yeah. yeah. It, so so yeah, I, I so, wish people so beware, would understand that. Beware people with potions that you know. Oh yes, American, you give me money, I give you juice. Yeah. <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> no no, because they're out there. They're always yeah, out the best there. drug oh, yeah. factory in in the world is right in your head. You make your yeah. own. Ayahuasca's active hallucinogenic component is DMT, and you make DMT naturally, endogenous yeah. in your body. You make right. uh, cannabinoids endogenously in your body. Uh, but DMT has been shown to be able to be activated with meditation and other things. So, uh, yeah, we've never we've never recommended, you know. Particularly no, yeah. deciding that you must have must have something, it, it's hmm. just not so. Well, it, with my anyway. uh, my brainwave monitor, I mean, where you can see directly when something happens, and you go into a state of meditation, you meditate in a certain way, and there's the reaction. It's like you can do it yourself, perfectly yeah. natural. Yeah. You know, so we are we are frequency beings. We absolutely. can do that. All right. All so, right. Uh, well, you're gonna have to come back and play with us again. We'll, sure. Uh, uh, I know have way lots to talk about. We always do. And we have. Uh, oh, this is always where I'm supposed to already have the calendar up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get that one of these times. Tuesday, we're gonna have Meg Adamson Gower. Um, she works with the folks at Lightworker.com, but she also has some really amazing work she does on her own. Uh, she's been doing some healing work with Steve's wife Barbara, who has been. Uh, under the weather, but it's getting better. And then on Thursday, Jason Anderson's going to be back. We're going to talk more about uh, his work. So it's going to be a fantastic week. So in preparation for that, I recommend you have a fantastic weekend, everybody. And until then, stay connected. Bang. <laughs> wow, what a beautiful punctuation at the end of the show. Did you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my closing theme now seems wimpy. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.
We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.